Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Now, of course, you'll notice that since it's Fasting and Prayer Wednesday, my title of my message is Spiritual Hunger. So, how about that one? <laughs> if you need a copy of the notes, just kindly raise your hand. We'll get them to you. Praise God. Are you hungry tonight? I mean for the real food. Praise God. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the living God. Amen. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this privilege of studying the word together. Give us ears to hear it, hearts to receive it, and minds that are open to it. But more than anything, change us by what we hear from glory to glory. Challenge us by what we hear that we might rise up and go forth and proclaim Jesus to the world that we live in. And in our circle of influence, touch the hearts and lives of those that come across the path of our lives. And Father, we'll give you all the glory that you deserve for every person that will be saved, delivered, and set free in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6 will be our opening text. And the verse says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Did you know that Jesus is the greatest of all preachers? And he knew how to capture an audience. He knew how to get their attention. And he got their attention by saying, blessed. And what we call the Beatitudes, the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, he starts it with saying, blessed. Anybody here like being blessed? Anybody want to be blessed? And in the Greek, it's talking about someone who has the divine favor of God upon his life. Someone who is happy. Someone who is victorious. Someone who is just spiritually prosperous and so on. And so he says, look, bless, if you want to be blessed, then he talks about how they can be blessed and have in their lives the things that they desire. As we look at that fourth beatitude, he uses two powerful motivations that we all have. At least I don't know about you, but I know I have the same, those powerful motivations. If you hunger and thirst, do you have those needs? Does your body tell you when it's hungry? You have a built-in indicator to let you know you're thirsty? Sure. Well, when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, he says, that's when we will be filled. But it's important to understand what he's talking about. When he says hunger, the Greek word there for hunger, the definition of it is a desperate craving for food that really causes one to do desperate things. He's not just saying that I'm hungry, I, I skip breakfast, it's lunchtime, and I have a little thing going on in my stomach letting me know that I'm hungry. He's talking about someone who hasn't eaten for probably two days or three days, and his body is reacting to it, and he's cr it's crying out for nutrition. It's starving. And, of course, we know there's people in foreign lands that are just starving every day, young people that are starving every day. He's talking about a desperate kind of starvation. And then when it comes to thirst, again, in the Greek, it's a need for water that's painful, a painful need for water. 
Like when your tongue is cleaving to the roof of your mouth, you're parched. You're desperate. I really need water badly. Your body is beginning once again to dehydrate. And, you know, and if you don't get water soon, you could die. Well, there's a certain desperation that accompanies the kind of hunger and thirst that Jesus is talking about. Like a starving man. You know, a man who is starving would do anything to fulfill that need. He might even steal for food. He might even eat out of a garbage can. I don't know about you, but there are times when I was walking on the streets of Manhattan in New York City and saw people that live on the street. Someone would throw maybe a Subway half-eaten sandwich into the garbage and they'd just reach in there, pull it out, and finish it for them. Kind of a desperate thing for a person to do, but that's what they do. They're desperate. That's how, how much they need some food. Well, the next, notice a drug addict, addict. If, if a person has a drug addiction, they'll do anything to get that fixed, to get that need met. I remember just uh, not too long ago happening in Youngstown when I was up in that area, a young person broke into the house of an elderly woman who was in her 80s because you see, he needed his fix, but he needed money to satisfy his need. And he ends up killing this 80-year-old woman to get what little bit of money that she had to satisfy his need. You know, when people are desperate, they do de desperate things. In some cases, even crazy things. But murder, an elderly woman, think about it. That's desperate. And then next, you notice, an alcoholic will spend all that he has to satisfy his need for drink. I remember when I was working in the mill, how there were those that would just, on payday, get their paycheck, go cash the paycheck, and never go home. They would go to the bar, they would drink their paycheck away, and then they would go home. And of course, they can't take care of their families, they can't take care of their children, in many cases, can't pay for their mortgage, etc., etc. Why? Because they were desperate to have that need met. And so they cried out for it until they got it. And then, of course, there's the gambler. And the gambler, in many cases, will do anything they possibly can to see to it that they have that need to win fulfilled. In many cases, people will actually lose their homes, lose their families, lose their businesses. Because, you see, once the enemy gets a hold of them, and trust me, when I'm talking about these things, there is a spiritual force behind all these things we're talking about. That craving, that desire is like from an unclean spirit that makes the person feel or believe that they can't exist without it. And they've got to have it. And there's no other means by which they'll be satisfied. Well, Jesus is talking about being satisfied, but in a different way. He wants us to be satisfied with him. He wants to fill every void in our lives and not have those outside influences or forces to take his place. You know, there are good and bad appetites in this world. And let's talk about some of the bad ones first. Lucifer was hungry for a position that did not belong to him. And he was so desperate to have that power, that position of power and authority in his life. What did he do? He orchestrated a plan that he would use to bring God down. He tapped into spiritual laws, the law of faith, and he started making declarations, I will, I will, I will, I will. He was using his faith 
to try to overthrow God. He actually convinced some of the other angels that we're going to do it. Let's all gather together. If one can chase a thousand, two can fit ten thousand flights. Add, go ahead, join together. Add your faith to mine. And we're going to do it. We're going to throw God. Well, guess what? It didn't happen, did it? God is greater. Then, of course, you've got the guy like Nebuchadnezzar, the king. He wanted praise. Lucifer wanted a position, but he wanted praise. He was so desperate for praise that he had the people make a statue of himself and the people were by decree to bow down and worship the image that he had made. And he was so desperate to have everyone in his kingdom to bow before him that when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego says, there's no way we're bowing to you. He threw them into a burning fire furnace. He had to have everyone. Well, praise belongs unto God, not to man. He ended up becoming like an animal out in a wilderness. You know the story of Nebuchadnezzar. Then you've got that rich ruler, the, the, I mean, the rich man who had his barns already filled with everything. But then he decided, no, I need more. I need more possessions. So he tears down the barns and he builds bigger barns to fill the bigger barns up. But of course, we know that Jesus said, kind of foolish because now your life is required of you tonight once you get all this done. Who's going to have all this? Who's going to enjoy all your possessions? So whether it's position that a person wants, power, possessions, praise that all belongs to God, there are appetites that are out there that are not really good appetites. And look at this last thing here in First uh, John chapter 2. Because we're living in a world right now where there's all kinds of things out there enticing even believers really to desire things that can take them further away from God. And also can dull their hunger for the things of God. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the, in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the word's going to pass away, and the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God abides forever. So in other words, we're living in a world right now with everything out there, especially the day in which we live today. There's all kinds of things, especially for young people growing up, that could really entice them to walk away from the things of God. But also there's good appetites. There's things we should be hungry and thirsty for that transcend anything else. And number one is the presence of of a living God. I don't know about you, but more than anything else, I want his presence. I want his presence. When we gather together here, I want his presence. And in our individual lives, everywhere we go, we want his presence. Look at Psalm 42 in verse 1. And here once again, David kind of sets a standard for us. As the heart pants after the water brooks. So panteth my soul after thee, O God. Not after what you can give me, but after you. Can you imagine a longing of the soul that says, I want you. I want your presence in my life today. You realize the very solution to every human problem is found in the presence of the living God? As a matter of fact, we are instructed by faith to approach the presence of God. By the blood of the Lamb, we are told to enter with a true heart 
and full assurance of faith, a heart sprinkled from an evil conscience, and bodies washed in the pure water of the Word. Where am I entering into the very presence, the glorious presence of the Most High God? And the closer I get to that presence, the more, praise God, His presence and power affects my life. You can start off on the outside. By the time you get all the way to the Holy of Holies, praise God, I'll tell you what, you should be aglow with the Spirit. And anything that we need is right there at the throne of Almighty God. Come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of your need, he is saying. So use your faith to enter into the place of God's holiest presence. And that's something we should hunger for, something we should thirst for. And once again, not this little craving, but a desperate craving. Look at the next one. This is what David had, his power his glory. Look at Psalm 63, verses 1 and 2. O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsts for thee, my flesh longs for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is, to see your power and your glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. We call this a sanctuary, do we not? It was different then because you see the temple was a place, the dwelling place of God. But today, you are the sanctuary. I am the sanctuary. We cor corporately and collectively make up a habitation for God in the Spirit. Is there a craving? Is there a thirst? Is there a hunger? Is there a desire to see the power and the glory of God on display in great manifestation as David longed for and as he desired? Well, beloved, look at the Philippians chapter 3, and this is the Apostle Paul. I know that was Old Testament. This is New Testament. Paul, among other things, was saying, look, look I've, I've got a great education. I grew up in Judaism. I was a Jew of the Jew Pharisee of the Pharisees, etc. Hebrew of the Hebrews. He said, but you know what? I would give up anything and everything that I have so I can possess th this, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, made conformable to his death, if by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead, even while I'm at home living in this body. And so what he was saying was this, I want resurrection power manifested in my life. I want to know Jesus so well, praise God, that when you see me, you see him in me. I want that glory to rise up in me. I want that resur resurrection power just to flow out from my being like a river of living water. I want to walk in the fullness of my redemption in Christ. And notice once again, it must be a craving. There must be a hunger. There must be a desire for these things in order to be filled. Which is what Jesus was saying. You must hunger for it. You must thirst for it. As in a dry and thirsty land, David said, where no water is. It's a parched place. It's a dry land. And you know, the, the need for water is essential. We understand that for life and for survival. And if we want to have the blessing of being filled, there, there must be the motivation behind it and the desperation behind it that says, I long for it. I'm not going to be distracted from it, detracted from it. I am not going to let anything in this world stop me from achieving my goal of entering into and experience the fullness that God has for my life. Look at the next one. The next one is for deliverance. Remember the um, Israelites when they were in Egyptian bondage? Look in the book of Exodus chapter 2. Of course, they were there for a long period of time. Well, finally, they got to a place of desperation. 
They were desperate. They were hungry. They were thirsty. They had enough. They were slaves, treated as slaves, disrespected, and so on and so forth. And they finally got to a place by reason of all the oppression that they cried out. Let's read it. It came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their what? Oh, groaning deep from within their souls. This is something that was a surface thing. This was a hunger. This was a thirst that could never be satisfied except for one, by one thing, and that is the very arm of God stretched forth on their behalf. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham and with Isaac and Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. And what did he do? He raised up a leader. You see, when they got to a place of desperation, when they finally got to a place that said enough is enough, we all got to get to that place, my brother and my sister, that we declare and decree that enough is enough. I'm not putting up with this mess any longer. I want what God has for me. I want what Jesus purchased for me with his precious and holy blood. I want the mighty hand of God and his delivering power manifested in my life. And so I am coming to you by the blood of the Lamb to your holy presence, Father, and I am going to receive from on high what belongs to me. My deliverance, praise God, was provided for, bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to walk in the light of it. And then finally, and there's much more, but these are just a few things I pointed out. Matthew 5 and verse 6, which is where we started. If you desire, if you hunger and thirst for what? Righteousness. You see, then you're going to be what? Filled. Notice the blessing of being filled with anything we desire from God starts with something called hunger and thirst. Hunger and thirst. I long for walking in righteousness that I have in my spirit to manifest through my soul and my body. In other words, there must be a craving. Why? Because the flesh is craving to have its way. Your flesh is craving to have its way. Your flesh wants to have its way. My flesh wants to have its way. And there's a warfare, we're told, taking place between our spirit and the flesh. And the soul's in the middle. And our minds must be renewed to the Word of God and the ways of God to know how God operates. And by faith, we tap into the resources He has provided for us through the blood covenant. And we tap into His righteousness and start declaring and decreeing, you know what? I am no longer going to take a back seat to the lies of the enemy telling me that I'm not good enough to approach the throne of God. I'm not good enough by my faith to draw from what belongs to me from God. As far as I'm concerned, I am his masterpiece. I am his workmanship. And I have a right to the throne and all that God has provided for me in this inheritance that I have in Christ Jesus my Lord. So I'm boldly coming in, praise God. I have right standing with the Father. I'm going to walk in that right standing in spirit, in soul, and in body. I'm going to experience the fullness of what God has for me. But we must hunger and thirst for it. Now, let's conclude by talking about how is it that we are going to promote spiritual hunger. And why do I say that? Because we can feed on things that can keep us so full of other things that we have no room for God. And that's an easy thing for all of us to do. Number one, get a taste for the goodness of God. Get a taste. Look at that verse in Psalm 34 and verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Have you tasted? Have you seen? Why is he using that terminology? Because in the natural, 
I don't know about you, but if I'm trying to lose weight, if I want to lose weight, and someone says, just have one Lay's potato chip, just one, you can't eat just one. Anybody here attest to that? Just one little piece of chocolate, right, mm-hmm, you can't eat just one. You'd be better off not tasting it at all. Because the moment you get that taste in your mouth, it is calling out for more, crying out for more. Isn't it something that your spirit has a built-in indicator, but your spirit not necessarily? So what about the spiritual aspect of this? We have to, on purpose, taste and see the Lord is good. When I tasted Him and He saved me, Oh, I'm telling you what a change in my life. And I got a taste of God, and I went and wanted more of God. I got filled with the Holy Ghost in power and spoke with tongues as the Spirit of God gave me utterance. And I still wasn't satisfied. I wanted more of God. I was tasting God. I wanted more of God. I went to places back that, that time when I got saved in 76. We're talking about evangelistic outreach and word of faith movements and and you know, just traveling ministries and all that, and went to a meeting, and the power of God hit me, knocked me on the ground, praise God. I had a taste of God's divine power and presence in my life like I had never experienced before. And you know what? You start tasting it, and you want more of it because there's nothing on this planet that can compare to it, okay? You got a hunger for it and thirst for it, but you taste it, you want more of it. You know why sometimes we have altar calls up here and just lay hands on people and the power of God comes on them? Oh, you talk about another taste, fresh oil from above. The glory of God just, just floods your, the person's soul and fills them to overflowing. And I've had people walk out of here and just say they've just been lifted up in the spirit in such a powerful way. See, there's a taste of heaven. And you know, when we gather together like this, there should be a taste. There should be a taste. In our time of worship, even at a time of, of, of proclaiming the truth of God's word, every one of us should take a taste of the goodness and greatness of God. Number two, don't fill up on junk food. In the natural, did your mom ever tell you when you were young and growing up, put that snack away. I've got this beautiful meal just waiting for you. And why does she tell you that? Because you fill up on those snacks, you're not going to eat my good food that I made for you. She knows that it spoils your appetite. Now, you can have a little dessert afterwards, but beforehand, I've worked hard making this meal for you, and I want you to appreciate it. I'm sure you've had that told to you one time or another. It's true, isn't it? Do you know we can fill up our lives with things that get us so full of this world that we don't really have a strong burning desire for the things of God? Look in the book of uh, Proverbs 27. Don't fill up on junk food. This is from the New Living Translation. A person who is full refuses honey. But even bitter food tastes sweet to the hungry. What's he saying? After you've had your Thanksgiving dinner, and then you went to the second house for another Thanksgiving dinner, and then that evening, you stop that because you see the family's bigger than you thought. And you don't want to offend them either. And you've had your next dinner with a little bit of dessert. 
You are so full that you can explode. Have you ever been there on Thanksgiving? Anybody ever been there on Thanksgiving? Mm-hmm. Right. You can just explode. And then someone gets out a piece of pizza, puts it in front of you, and you just go, oh, I would love to, but I just can't. That's what he's saying. We can get so full on other things that what does it do to us? There's no room, you see, for the things of God. And the enemy knows that. And the enemy wants to get us busy. He wants to entice us to get involved in so many different things that this world has to offer. And there are many things out there. Sports, athletics, games, and all that. And I mean, the list goes on and on. You know, this society has plenty to offer. And the things not necessarily be, you know, sinful, but they occupy the life. And we get so involved that, you know, maybe not time in the word, maybe not time in prayer, waiting on God, worshiping and praising him, not being in church and all that. You know, what ends up happening? We're feeding the wrong desire instead of feeding the right desire. Because, you know, when you start feeding the right desire, you want more and you want more and you want more. Look at the next by associating with hungry people. By associating with hungry people. Look in the book of Hebrews. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We gather together like this. We start worshiping God in spirit and in truth. The anointing of God falls. The glory of God falls. The power of God is in manifestation. You kind of shut yourself in with God. Things begin to take place on the inside. You're associating with other people like precious faith. And that's in, it, it's influencing us to want more of God. But you hang out with other people that have no interest in the things of God. And the more you do it, because they're not in any way concerned about the things of God, you can be influenced, once again, not to be as excited about the things of God. You know, you've heard the expression, who you, show me who you hang with and I'll show you who you are. And so if you're involved with other people that are not concerned about worshiping God, praising God, and that sort of thing, then, then it's not coming on you. But when you gather together like we have here tonight, praise God, you want more of God. You taste in God. You have a desire for the things of God. You want to experience more of God in your life. You want the fullness of what God has for you. You want filled with all the fullness of God. As a matter of fact, you won't be satisfied with anything other than being filled with the fullness of God. Do you remember what the Apostle Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 3? He said, I bow my knees before the throne of God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in your inner man, that Christ would dwell in your heart by faith, that you would be rooted and grounded in love and able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, the height, and to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. His prayer was not for people to get delivered, not for people to get healed, but that they would be filled with all the fullness of God because when one is filled with all the fullness of God, everything else takes care of itself. It does. I remember one day when I was um, working in the crane, my friend Brother Jose just spewed out a scripture. And when he spoke that word, I'm telling you, it hit me right between the eyes and in my heart. It penetrated my very soul. I'll never forget it. I have not seen or ear heard, neither has ever entered the heart of man the things that God prepared for them that love him. He quoted that verse, 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 9. And I, 
did a double take. I got my Bible out, looked it up. You know what I said? I want to know the Bible like that man does. I want to know what else is in that book. And you know what? I got my Bible out. I got my references out. I just dove into it. And I finally got to a place that I realized that the verse 10 following verse 9 was, but God has revealed them to us by his spirit so that we would know the things that are freely given to us of God. Praise God. So you see, we hang with other people of like precious faith and we glean light from one another. We influence one another. We encourage one another. And what's the end result? Ah, the blessing. But first, constantly feed on the right food. Constantly feeding on the right food. Did you notice that if you don't read your word that eventually you can just ignore it for a while? But if you set up a system by which you study the word of God on a regular basis, you want more of it and more of it and more of it. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, that man doesn't, be, doesn't live by bread alone. He was comparing it once again to a hunger that comes in the natural, that exists in the spiritual. Whether we feel like it or not, whether we have a built-in indicator or not, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We've got to feed on the right stuff. Feed on the right things. And then we must also drink from the right fountain. Look at John chapter 7. Jesus speaking. In the last day of the great, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. Are you thirsty tonight? If you're thirsty tonight, he said, come to me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they which believe on him should receive, for as yet he was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. But oh, he's been glorified now. And thank God he's been given now. And thank God he's available to all now. And thank God we can come to him and we can drink. Jesus, I'm not satisfied. We've got to tell him. I am not satisfied with where I am I want to drink from the fountain of your spirit. I want to be filled to overflowing. I want an overflow of resurrection power flowing through my life so that everywhere I go, you would be glorified, you would be lifted up, and the needs of people around me could be met, praise God, by your power. And what will the blessing be? Well, let's look at it. Perfect satisfaction. Perfect satisfaction. Look at Matthew 5, verse 6 again. Notice it says the last word, Bless, blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be what? Filled. That Greek word is a term used to describe uh, fattening calves or cows. They fatten them up until they get completely satisfied. Do you want to be satisfied? You want to be full? We can be, but we've got to really be hungry. And we feed on the word and feed on the word and feed on the word and drink from the fountain and drink from the fountain and drink. And the thing is, I don't know about you, but there's no cost to this food or drink. You don't have to go to Giant Eagle or any store that you go to and pay for it. It is absolutely positively free and we can feed on it until our spirit man is so full, praise God. We can have many Thanksgiving dinners and we can thank him and praise him and thank him and never get to a place that you're just too full to have more. You can always have more. But notice what he said. He wants us to have perfect satisfaction. That's what that word means in the Greek. Perfect satisfaction. But how does satisfaction come? 
what a person hungers and thirsts. It's like he said, seeking you shall find, knocking it shall be open, asking you shall receive. Okay, number two, we'll be filled with all that Jesus has to offer. We will be filled with everything that Jesus has to offer. Let's look at some of these scriptures. We'll be filled to overflowing. Remember in the Psalm, Psalm 23, when he said, my cup runs over. Anybody want an overflowing cup? Overflowing. And why is it overflowing? To be a blessing to others. God will never bless you just for you. He'll bless you to make you a blessing. So that you can have an overflow and an abundance so that you can give out to other people. Praise God. So let's look at these. Look at John 4, 14. But whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him. Shall be where? In him. A well of water springing up into everlasting life. Do you have that well of water in you? Springing up to everlasting life? You'll never thirst again. What's he saying? You're satisfied. Oh, there was a time in my life that I wasn't satisfied because I did not know I was saved. Oh, I went to church for 24 years and I went to all the meetings for 24 years and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But you know what? I did not have the assurance of salvation. I did not have the satisfaction in my soul that if I would die, I would make heaven my home. I would go to bed as a 16-year-old boy at night and I would just cry out to God, I don't want to go to hell. Did not know why I was saying it. Didn't know about the conviction of the Holy Ghost. But I was saying it every, every night. I'd find myself waking up in a sweat sometime. I don't want to be lost. I don't want to go to hell. And praise God, because of my cry of my heart crying out to God, he sent labors of love to come to me. And I was a hard case, a very hard case. I didn't know anything. I didn't know any better. I would just reject these people and say, you're crazy. You're out of your mind. What about being born again and all that? But oh, praise God, the Holy Ghost did not stop working on me. Aren't you, aren't you glad he didn't stop working on you? He didn't stop working on me, praise God. And so what I did was I finally submitted to the conviction that was upon me that I was lost and in need of a Savior and gave my heart to Jesus. And once I did, you talk about complete satisfaction. I was so on fire for God, I had a zeal with no knowledge whatsoever. All I knew was I was born again, on fire, and I became an evangelist. Yep, and the first mistake I made was tell everybody around me they're going to hell. Don't evangelize that way. You know you're going to hell, you know you're going to hell, but you're going to go to hell and all that, and it did not work. A brother offended is hard to be won in a strong city. I, I should have said, do you know how you can know you're going to heaven? Isn't that a whole lot better to say that? Well, you see, I had, I had zeal but no knowledge, but I learned how to witness to people and minister to people in a different way. It's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance, not telling them what my dad told me. Look at John 6.35. How about this one? And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger. And he that believes on me shall never thirst. Oh, hallelujah. In other words, complete satisfaction. Thank God we can be satisfied with knowing that we have a Savior in our hearts, in our lives who empowers us to live the life that he's called us to live by his spirit. And I've got complete satisfaction, praise God, knowing that I can live a life pleasing to God. Look at Psalm 107. He satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Is your soul longing for more reality? Is your soul hungry for goodness? Well, I'll tell you what, we have a resource that, never ends. 
you can never, never deplete all that God has to offer. If your soul's hungry, it can be satisfied. And here's the problem. Sometimes we want something, but not that enough. We're not hungry enough for it. Can you admit that? You want something, but you see, we're not hungry enough to go after it. We don't have that desperation. Look at the last verse, and we'll bring it to a close here. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord. We're talking about seeking Him as a man who's deprived air is seeking air, or water is seeking drink, or food is seeking, or hunger seeking food. But they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. That's called complete and total satisfaction. Walking with God in such a way that you're so complete in Him, you're walking in His fullness, His glory, His power, His resurrection life, just flooding your soul. Praise God. Amen. Are we hungry enough? I want us to be so hungry in this place for the living God that when we gather together, we're not distracted by the things that are around us. That's why we've been coming on Wednesday nights like this and just coming before the altar, shutting everything else out, lifting our hearts to heaven, ministering to the Lord, just loving on Him, letting Him know, I'm not satisfied. This world doesn't have anything to offer that completely satisfy the human heart or life. There is a, and I'll close and I want us to gather together for just a moment. There is a God-shaped hole in the heart of every person. And people have tried to fill that void with so many things that this word has, world has to offer and they end up finding out that it just doesn't satisfy. You realize that? It doesn't. But you know what? I don't think I've heard anybody say this before, but I, I, it just came to me. It seemed like that more authoritative voice of the Spirit. And it was like this. But there's also a man-shaped hole in the heart of God that caused him, that moved him, that motivated him to send his son from heaven to come to the earth and save mankind because he wanted a family. So imagine that. There's a longing in our hearts for him we just don't know it. And there's a longing in his heart for us. He wants our fellowship. And sometimes I think we don't realize that enough and we can neglect it. And if we neglect it, you see, if we neglect it long enough, you lose the hunger and you lose the thirst. And the more you learn that it seems like still you lose the hunger, you lose the thirst.